2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to park there for a little bit tonight. If you don't know where 2 Corinthians is, it's in the New Testament right after 1 Corinthians. So to give you a little bit of help on that, if you need it, just in case, it's Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. And I'm excited to once again have the opportunity to share a word from the Lord with you guys tonight. The series is Identity Crisis. And we've been learning over the past couple of weeks about who we really are in Christ. And so how many of you have been blessed so far by the truths that God has been showing us through these things? And I hope you have. I hope you're taking some of these things to heart and you're really applying them to your lives. And I'm praying that Jesus continues to help us as we establish and understand our identity and position in Him. And I want to go ahead and read our text for you tonight that I believe God has brought me to for this message. And we find it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, just a couple of verses. We'll start in verse 3. God's word says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The title of the message tonight, we're going to call it Mind Sweepers. Paul is in the process of defending his ministry here as he's writing this to the church in Corinth because there had been some people that had come up against Paul that had spoken out against him. Basically, they were calling Paul a fake. They were calling Paul a phony. Uh, they were calling him a nobody, really. They were going around and saying, Paul, you're just, this, this guy Paul, he came in here and he's preaching this message about Jesus and he's claiming to be an apostle, but he's really a nobody. So they were challenging his ministry and they were challenging his actual apostleship and here's what I've observed, just from a personal viewpoint. When you commit to living for Jesus, when you commit to living for His glory, when you commit to understanding who you are in Him, the enemy will look for ways to discredit the authenticity of your calling. He will always look for ways to discredit the authenticity of your calling, which is really an attack on your identity as well, if we want to get down to it. So they're going around and they're claiming that, Paul, man, you're not, you're not really a teacher. You're not, you can't really make disciples. Paul, you're fake, man. Paul, you're fraud. Paul, you're phony, dude. Just, just drop it. You're, you're really a nobody. God wouldn't call someone like you to something like this. God wouldn't give you this kind of a ministry. And so they're trying to discredit the authenticity of his calling. And the enemy will do the same thing with your life if you're found in Christ. He will do what he can to try to discredit the authenticity of your calling as well. To make you think that you're not actually who you say you are. That you're not actually who Christ says that you are in him. And cause you to doubt. Cause you to fear. But I want you to, uh, I want you to remember this little, this little nugget of information. Your enemy has no right to take from you what he didn't give to you. And so if it came from God, it belongs to God, and he can't take that away from your life. So just keep that in mind. When Paul is under attack, and as we look at the text, what we see in these couple of verses that we just read is him giving a response to the critics. But see this as well. He's also giving an exhortation to the saints. Now I remember when, I remember when we first got a computer in our house. Does anybody remember that? Most of y'all are probably just born into computers, right? But I actually remember when we got like a desktop computer at our house. And we were way behind in my house. Like, 
All of my friends had computers. They're AOLing, instant messaging. And I know that's like a foreign language. Y'all don't know anything about that for the most part. But I, I never got in on that because we just wouldn't have a computer at our house. And I remember when we finally got one, it was like the greatest thing ever. And I remember one of my favorite games to play on our computer was Minesweeper. And as a kid, I didn't actually have a clue how to play the game. I didn't know that the numbers meant anything. I didn't know that there was an actual strategy to try to win the game. I just pulled the game up and started clicking, hoping and praying that I didn't land on one of the bombs. Anybody play Minesweeper like that as a kid? You just, you just hope for the best, right? You just go to clicking, holding your breath, just hoping one of those bombs didn't show up. And if it did, you're like, ah, restart. And then you try again, boom, blow up again. You never are actually going to win that way. It is not possible, I'm convinced. You can't win like that. But here's what I want you to see tonight. I want you to understand that there is a real battle taking place for your mind. There is a real battle that takes place for your mind. And we might call it mind games, but I'm convinced that most of us don't understand how to play. And we don't realize that there's a strategy involved when it comes with winning. So we go day by day, hoping that we can avoid clicking on the next thought that could inevitably blow up in our minds. And so, hence the title for tonight's message, I think we need to learn how to do a little mind sweeping to avoid these bombs that are being set off inside of our minds, causing us to lose who we are in Christ, as Paul is being attacked, he introduces this seemingly strange concept of taking your thoughts captive. Now, why in the world, in the midst of being attacked by other people around him, would Paul get into this discussion of taking your thoughts captive? Why wouldn't Paul give the Corinthians something good, right? Like, why wouldn't he show them how to retaliate? Why wouldn't he show them how to use their words to fight back against the people that were fighting against them? Instead, he goes on to talking about his thoughts, taking your thoughts captive. What are you talking about, Paul? Man, I don't want people calling you fake. I don't want people calling you phony. I don't want people calling you a fraud. They're in the midst of attacking you, berating you with their words, and you're talking about how we should learn how to take our thoughts captive? I think Paul knew something. I think God had showed him that the words of these people didn't carry the potential to hurt him physically. So can I tell some of y'all tonight, some of you need to stop letting talk become thought. Paul knew that the words that these people spoke didn't have the potential to hurt him physically, but they had full potential to mentally wreak havoc upon his life. See, words don't actually hurt you physically. Words hurt you mentally. Then they have the potential to hurt you physically. But Paul said, no, no, no. We're not going to fight back physically because that's not the potential of where these words have the impact of hurting you. It's mental. And some of you walk around hurting and pain and suffering tonight because you've let what other people said become your thought life. And so what you think directly influences how you live. And that's why this battle for the mind, when it intertwines with our Identity is an important concept for us to understand and grasp because what you think directly impacts how you live. And so there are some things that I want us to sweep through in our minds tonight that I think Scripture shows us when it comes to this battle, when it comes to how we face it, and when it comes to establishing our identity and cleaning up our thought life. And the first thing that I want to share with you tonight, we see it in verse 3. I want you to, 
to understand you're not crazy. So look at the person sitting beside you and tell them, you're not crazy. If you really believe it. You're like, come on, Trey, don't make me lie to them. I know some things. I saw how they acted the other day in the lunch line. Saw the things came out of their mouth when that woman pulled out in front of them at the stoplight. You're not crazy. Look at what Paul says in verse 3. Let's read it again. He's speaking to the, to the church. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So Paul tunes us in to the fact that there is a spiritual war taking place. He's not talking about physical war. He's talking about spiritual war taking place. And there is a spiritual war taking place around you. And part of that battlefield spills over into your minds. Part of where that war is fought is with in your minds, in between your two ears. And so let me just tell you something, in case you're wondering, those voices that you hear, they're real. Those wicked thoughts that you have, they're real. Those suicidal thoughts that you have, they're real. Those thoughts of I'm inadequate, those thoughts of I'm inferior, I'm pathetic, I'm worthless, I'm broken, those are real thoughts. And so don't just think you're crazy if you hear things going on in your mind that you think nobody else is struggling with because they are absolutely real. There is a real spiritual battle taking place. And these thoughts that you have, don't discredit them because they are real. And see, here's the thing. Here's where we try to just pass it off as if it's just nothing because if you begin to explain these things to certain people, especially outside of a biblical worldview, they will begin to tell you that you just got a chemical imbalance. You got a chemical imbalance here, some pills. Let's set you up with some therapy and with some counseling, and we'll try and get this worked on. But it is so much more than that, guys. It is so much more. It goes so much on a deeper level. Now, I understand. Before you get all worked up, I understand that there are actual mental illnesses that people suffer with. And I understand that there are medications that help that. And I understand there are certain forms of counseling and therapy that help that. I get that. But I also want you to understand that Satan will pick on the weak and the helpless. And so there is a much deeper thing that goes on when it comes to things that you struggle with within your mind. And this is important for us to understand, especially for our identity. Why? Because your thought life is critical when it comes to how you live and the ways in which you identify yourself. Let me put it to you like this, if you need a little help understanding what I mean by that. Negative thinking translates into negative living. Believing a lie translates into living a lie. And so your thoughts hold immense power and sway over the ways in which you see yourself and the ways in which you live your life. And so this inner turmoil that you've got going on on the inside of your head, it doesn't mean that you're crazy, it just means that you're in the war. It just means that you're in the battle. And can I encourage you tonight? You're not the only one. You came in here tonight and you're dealing with some stuff in your head. You're hearing some voices and you're wondering where are these thoughts coming from. You might think that you're the only one. But more than likely the person sitting beside of you is hearing the same kind of stuff. You're not the only one. And you're not crazy. And so there's another truth to this as we go sweeping through our minds. We try to clean up our thought life. When it comes to thoughts... Second thing I want you to understand tonight, it's so important that you learn how to recognize the source. You've got to learn how to recognize the source of your thoughts. Have you ever had a random thought and just wonder where in the world did that come from? I get those from time to time. And it's important that you realize that, that it wasn't by chance. It wasn't just kind of out of left field. 
there was a source behind it, and so it will be beneficial for you if you start considering the source of your thoughts. And that's part of what it means to take every thought captive. We're going to get into that a little bit more later on. So I want to break this down for us, and I want to try and show you a couple of wrong thought sources that I think we listen to from time to time. And the first one is fleshly or worldly thoughts. Your flesh is that part of you that learned how to live independently of God before you came to know Christ. Does that make sense? So this flesh that we all walk around with is the part of you that learned, that trained you how to live independently of God. And before you gave your life to Jesus, your life, your decision, your choices were all guided by your fleshly nature. And so here's how you recognize when the source of your thoughts are fleshly. I'm going to give you a couple of identifiers so you can be aware. The way in which you recognize when the source of your thoughts are fleshly is that they will always be against the Spirit. Galatians 5.17 says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. So if you have a fleshly thought, you can go ahead and be sure that one of the ways in which you recognize that is that my flesh and my worldly thoughts always are against the Spirit of God. And so more than likely, those are the kind of thoughts that you have that are selfish. Those are the kind of thoughts that you have that are prideful. Those are the kind of thoughts that you have that tell you you need to live life your own way, that you need to take care of yourself, that you need to do what's best for you. These are the kind of thoughts that I'm talking about when it comes to the flesh and when it comes to the world. But then there's another identifier that comes with these kind of thoughts. These thoughts typically come with labels. Labels. And what I mean by that is, is oftentimes these thoughts will be accompanied by uh, something to the effect of, well, why aren't you as smart? Why don't you look as good? Why don't you have what they have? And so oftentimes these fleshly or these worldly thoughts will come with labels attached to them to try to get you to buy into those things. And so when I follow these thoughts, when you follow these thoughts, your identity is shaped, number one, by yourself. And that's always a flawed identity of who Christ created you to be. So my identity is shaped by myself, but then it's also shaped by the things of the world around me. And so you need to be able to recognize when these thoughts come in your mind, are they fleshly, are they worldly, or is it something that's pulling me back to my fleshly nature? Because in Christ, you don't have that nature. Christ gave you a new nature. Christ gave you a godly nature. Christ gave you a nature after his own spirit, which indwells within you. And so you don't have to go back to those things, but it doesn't mean that your old nature doesn't start trying to pull you back from time to time to go back to that old lifestyle, to go back to those old temptations. And so you need to recognize these kind of thoughts when they pop in. And then there's a second source. This is what I really want to hit on. And that's demonic. Demonic thoughts. Now, just so we're all on the same page and so nobody's weirded out, demons are real. Demons aren't something that Hollywood just invented. Demons are real spiritual beings and they do the work of Satan and so please understand that that this is a part of the battle and, and I want to tell you guys Satan loves to play mind games with believers and unbelievers and see the mind games that he will play with an unbeliever is he will want you to continue thinking that you're fine just like you are that you don't need Jesus you've got everything lined up you're a good person you do things the right way. You go to church from time to time. You know a few songs. You read your Bible every now and then. You say a few prayers. So Satan, the mind game that he wants to play with unbelievers is to keep you thinking that you're, you're good. Everything's good. 
but he really loves to play mind games with believers. And I'll tell you why. He knows that he can't do anything about your position in Christ. Amen? He knows that he can't do anything about your position in Christ. You know, I think it's sad that our enemy often knows and believes more about our identity in Christ than we do. He can't touch who you are in Christ, but he can affect how you live in Christ. And that's why he likes to play mind games with believers. He can't touch who you are in Christ, but he can affect how you live in Christ. And one of the primary ways that he does that is by playing with your mind. And I want you to understand this as well. Our enemy absolutely does have the potential and the power to place thoughts in your mind. He has that potential. He has that power. And I can point to Scripture and show you if you want to reference it sometime, go to 2 Samuel chapter 24 because there David conducted a census of his soldiers and of Israel, even though God had told him not to. But Satan comes sneaking in the back door and says, David, don't you want to know? Don't you want to know how many people you got in case I mean, something might happen? You might have to go to war. I mean, you need to, you need to know these numbers. And so he calls David to doubt his trust and his faith in God, and he took the census. He, who do you think placed that thought in David's mind? The same thing happened with Judas Iscariot. If you were to look in Luke chapter 22, the first part of the chapter, you would see that Satan entered into Judas. He affected his thoughts. He placed it in his mind to betray Jesus. And the same thing actually happened to Peter later on in the chapter of Luke chapter 22. The same thing happened when he denied Christ. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, Satan has demanded to have you, to sift you like wheat. Later on, Peter denies Jesus. And so how do you recognize when a source of your thoughts are demonic? Well, they come in the form of lies. John 8, 44 Jesus, speaking of Satan, he says he was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So demonic thoughts come in the form of lies. And the way in which you recognize those lies is that they are always opposite and contrary to God. So if God says holy, demonic thoughts will say unholy. If God says forgiven, demonic thoughts will say condemned. So they're always opposite, and they're always contrary to the nature of God and the truth that he speaks into our lives. And there's a second spin that he will put on it to affect you. And it's important that you understand and learn how to identify this as well, is that he will try and make you think it was your idea. Well, why would he do that? Because you're more likely to believe it then. Do you think, let me give you just a practical way of seeing this. Do you think that Peter would have willingly denied Jesus if Satan walked up to him on the sidewalk one day and said, hey, Peter, I'm going to talk you into denying Jesus. You think Peter would have went for that? Would you? Satan knocked on your front door and said, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm going to convince you that you're not pretty enough. And so... It's going to lead to you later on in your life developing an eating disorder because you've never been beautiful enough. You're going to believe that? If Satan walks up to your door and you know who it is up front? Absolutely not. And so what he will do is he will spin it to make you think that it's your idea. 
he will put that personal pronoun I in front of it, just like he did with David. Once David began to doubt, once David began to lose a lack of trust in God, the first thing that he said was, I will take a census. Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from, David? Who placed that thought in your mind? You've got to be able to recognize these things. It's not easy. He's a deceiver for a reason, and he's good at it. He's been doing it for, for a very, very long time. He wants you to believe a lie. Why? Because if he can get you to believe a lie, then he can control your life. And so now you're walking around, you're discouraged, and you're defeated, and you're disappointed. And that's how you see yourself as a child of God, as if that makes any sense. Because I see it all through Scripture, right? See, all through Scripture, God telling me that as a child of God, I should be defeated, I should be discouraged, and I should live disappointed. No! But so many of us as men and women of God are walking around with this attitude. We're defeated, we're discouraged, we're disappointed. Why? You've got eternal salvation. You've inherited heaven. You've got a peace and a joy that this world can never give you. You've got a calling and a purpose and a destiny. We're entertaining the wrong thoughts. So you need to start learning how to recognize the source of those thoughts. And I want to get to this at the very end because there is hope at the end. And I want you guys to, to leave with this tonight. And that's that you can win the battle. You can win the battle. And so I want to talk about that for a second. I want to talk about winning the battle. And I want you to hear this. This is a battle that you can win. You can experience victory in this area of your life. And I'm not talking about every now and then victory. I'm not talking about periodic victory. I'm talking about daily, consistent victory in your thought life. Anybody interested? A few people. Romans 12, 2 tells us that we can be transformed by what? The renewal of our mind. And so it starts with us asking God to give us a new way of thinking. And once he begins to do that, here's what you do afterwards. You fight. You battle. You war. Look back in verse 4. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but I have divine power to destroy strongholds. That just jacks me up. It just fires me up that Paul's on a, on a roll right here, man. He's like, you people, you can't, you can say what you want to about me. But I've got divine weapons that can destroy strongholds. He says, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So if you're going to win the battle, well, you've got to use your weapons. You can't win a battle if you don't have any weapons to fight with. So God, I need weapons. And he says, okay, let me give you some weapons. I'll give you weapons that have divine power to destroy strongholds in your life. They say it takes six weeks to form a habit. Six weeks of a repeated action to form a habit. And after a habit is repeated several times, it then becomes a stronghold, which becomes very difficult to remove from your life. How many of you got strongholds? How many of you know how difficult it is to try and get that thing out of your life? Some of you have been trying for years to get this stronghold out of your life. Well, in Christ, you have weapons. You have resources that can destroy, that can demolish the strongholds in your life. Well, what are they? I'll give you one prayer. I'll give you another one, God's Word. I'll give you another one, the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you. Let me give you one more that you might not think of. Faith. Faith. Because it's going to take faith to remove that stronghold. 
And so Paul says we destroy arguments and opinions that stand between us and knowing God. So when those fleshly or those worldly thoughts come up, you fight them with prayer. You fight them with God's word. You fight them with the Holy Spirit within you. And you fight them with faith. Combined with the fact of the knowledge that you know that old nature has been crucified with Christ. It's over. You don't have to go back to something that's been killed. And then you set your mind on things above. Colossians 3, 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So set your mind on those things. Get your mind off the garbage of this world. And then when those demonic thoughts show up, you fight hell's lies with heaven's truths. And some of you are being beat up by the enemy's lies. I know this is true tonight. I know for a fact this is true tonight. Some of you are being beat up by the enemy's lies and you're sitting there and you're thinking there's nothing that can be done. That you're just a helpless little puppy dog sitting there in the rain and nobody's ever going to come look for you. And you are powerless and helpless to do anything to change your situation. You're just a low man on the pole. Here's how you see the hierarchy. When it comes to the hierarchy of power, it's Jesus, Satan, and then you. Mm. But for those of us who are in Christ... You're no longer powerlessly sitting under the oppression of the enemy because Jesus has pulled you out from under it and placed you over it. So it's not Jesus, Satan, and you. It's Jesus, you, and Satan because he has given you power and authority in his name to step all over his head. You don't have to sit there hopelessly and powerlessly underneath the oppression of the enemy. Listen to the lies that he's spewing into your lives as if there's nothing that you can do about it. He's given power and authority in the name of Jesus to cast those things out. Your flesh, this world, the enemy has no power over your life other than what you allow. And I know it stings a little bit, right? Because it's on us. We begin to realize that. So you got to use your weapons, man. Realize your position, the authority that you have in Christ. And then the second key to winning the battle, you got to capture your thoughts. Paul says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Are you taking your thoughts captive or are you being held captive by your thoughts? And there's a one-two punch to this process. And so when a thought enters your mind, let me give you some help here. When a thought enters your mind, put it to the test. There's something that we like to do around here with those of you that have been here for a while. We call it the Philippians 4-8 test. So when a thought enters into your mind, put it to the Philippians 4.8 test. And listen to what God's Word says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so when a thought enters into your mind, put it to the test. Ask yourself, is this true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? And if it's not any of those things, then kick it out. Put it to the test. And then make a choice. Make a choice. I've asked Charlie to come over here and help me with this. I want to I illustrate something for you. Because I think this is vital. And this is key. And a lot of us are missing this in our lives. Charlie, I'm going to ask you a few things. I'm going to give you a decision. I want you to make the choice that you want to make. Think you can handle? Well, don't answer until I give you the mic, so we want everybody to hear. Okay? All right? Car or SUV? 
SUV. Chinese or Mexican? Mexican. New or used? Used. iPhone or Droid? iPhone. Walmart or Sam's? Walmart. Mac or PC? PC. Roses or daffodils? Daffodils. Let's change it up a little bit. Broken or restored? Restored. Abandoned or adopted? Adopted. Condemned or forgiven? Forgiven. Worthless or valued? Valued. Hated or loved? Loved. Wicked or righteous? Righteous. Thank you, Charlie. Here's what I want you guys to see. You have the power to make the choice. You have the power to make the choice. You choose what thoughts to believe in your life. Nobody makes you choose your fleshly thoughts. Nobody makes you choose or believe the lies of Satan and his demons. You make that choice for yourself. And you choose either lies or truth. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is ultimately this. You can win. So for all the losers in the room tonight, when it comes to battling for your mind, you can win. Victory is all throughout Scripture for God's people. All throughout it. You see victory after victory that God brings to His people. God gave Israel victory over Egypt. God gave Gideon and 300 men victory over 10,000. God gave Elijah victory over the 450 prophets of Baal. God gave David victory over the giant Goliath. God gave Jesus victory over the cross. God gave Jesus victory over death. You can win. I thought we might be a little bit more excited about it. I thought we might get a little bit more encouragement out of knowing not to sit here and lose time and time again this battle in my mind that I face because you can win. I want you to bag your heads and close your eyes just for a minute. We're not doing an invitation tonight, but I want to do something. I, I, don't, I Seriously, I don't want anybody looking around. If I catch you looking around, I'll come off the stage in the name of Jesus, I'm going to hit you in the mouth. I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to require some courage and some boldness. And here's what I want to do. I want you right where you're at. You don't have to move anywhere from where you're at. I'm just going to ask you to do this. If you have a stronghold in your life that you need the power of Jesus Christ to destroy, I want you to stand up. Thank you. I'm going to pray over you guys. Because I really want you to understand tonight that we have divine weapons that have the power to destroy the strongholds in our lives. God, I pray for these men and women that have boldly and courageously stood up right now and admitted that they have strongholds in their lives, God. And I don't know what they are. And I don't know how far they go back. I don't know how long they have wrestled with them. I don't know how long they have struggled with them. But God, I pray tonight that you would begin to flood their lives with your power and with your authority and help them to see and realize that they are men and women of God. And they don't have to believe the lies that Satan puts into their lives. They don't have to continue giving in to those fleshly or those worldly thoughts or temptations because we can stand in your power tonight, God. 
You did not go to the cross and sacrifice yourself so that we, as your children, could walk around on the face of this earth living discouraged and defeated and disappointed in our lives. So God, I pray tonight, and it's going to take time, and I pray that they would realize that it is a battle but they can have victory in it. And I pray tonight would be the first step in that, God, that even now they would feel you flooding into their lives, getting ready to break those strongholds down, to set them free from the things that they have struggled with for so long, God. And you and only you can do it. So I'm praying for a miracle in their lives. I'm praying for freedom, God. I'm praying for chains to be broken in the name of Jesus tonight. It's in Christ's name I pray. Hey, man, you guys take a seat. Thank you so much for your boldness and your courage. I want to leave you. I felt like it would only be fitting if I left you with a thought tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord that they can instruct him? And then Paul finishes the chapter with this. And he says, But we have the mind of Christ. Think on that. Thanks again so much for stopping by to listen to the message. Our prayer is that, if you don't already, you would come to know the love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus in a personal way. Following Him is the greatest choice you could ever make. Each week, we want to challenge you through the Word of God to continue walking in Christ and leveraging your life for His glory. So we hope that you will join us again next week for another impactful message here at Life.